With Lovebook Online, each page is a piece of the puzzle. Every moment, every laugh, every tear. It's all part of the puzzle that makes up your relationship. List all of the special reasons you love someone in your own personalized love storybook. You've heard the saying, it's the thought that counts. With Lovebook, you get to create a gift that gets straight to the heart. Guaranteed laughter and tears. Receive 10% off your Lovebook. Link is in this description. On August 15, 2009, in San Diego, California, a naked body was discovered stuffed into a blood-stained suitcase. At first, the person who found the suitcase thought it was a child, but the body was an adult white female. She was beaten, strangled, and mutilated. To prevent recognition, her teeth were pulled out of her mouth and her fingertips were cut off. During the autopsy, the coroner noticed she had breast implants. Breast implants have a serial number on them, so a check was done and she was identified as Jasmine, a 28-year-old model from Santa Cruz, California. Her husband, Ryan, was 32 years old. He was a reality show TV contestant from Calgary, Alberta in Canada. Uh, he said that he hadn't seen or heard from her in days and reported her missing on August 15th, 8.55 p.m., the day that the suitcase was found. Jasmine was born on February 8th, 1981. Her parents divorced when she was eight years old and she was raised by her mother, Lisa, in Bonnie Dune, California. Even though she was an only child, she didn't have an easy life. Her mother struggled to make ends meet and often worked several jobs. As a teenager, Jasmine worked at a local grocery store to help with money. When she got older, Jasmine never wanted to live in hard times like that. She wanted life with all of the luxuries. She left for Southern California after high school to pursue the goal of becoming an internationally known model. She started as a swimsuit model. She would also work as a body painted model at events. Body paint models allow artists to use their body as a canvas for special events. Um, it can also be for photo shoots or performance art installation. One or more artists would paint your body in a particular style or to promote a product or company, covering the entire body in design. The model is nude or partially nude. Body paint designs and coverage can be more or less risque depending on the client's preferences. Body paint models can make an average of $27 an hour. Jasmine worked back and forth between Los Angeles and Las Vegas. She appeared in shows at Las Vegas casinos. She was 
also an escort or a ballet, not an escort like that. Um, she would escort well-known people like celebrities, athletes. They would go to clubs and restaurants, kind of like be the eye candy on the red carpet, things like that. She acted in commercials for adult phone lines and bathing suit commercials. Although she was not a playmate, she was a host for Playboy magazine events like golf tournaments and club events. And Jasmine was invited to pool parties at the Playboy Mansion. These parties were very exclusive and the person had to be approved by Playboy founder Hugh Hefner. So it was an honor to get an invitation to those parties. Jasmine turned heads and she liked to be the center of attention. She knew that people underestimated her because of her looks and she knew that her body could give her opportunities but could only take her so far. And she was a smart person. She worked very hard and received a real estate license. She was planning to open a gym and a personal training center. Jasmine had several relationships. One was with Robert. <clears throat> Jasmine wanted to settle down and get married, but Robert was not ready for marriage and they broke off their relationship. In 2013, Jasmine met Michael and they married and they were together for three years. They shared a home together in Santa Cruz and San Diego and they divorced in 2006. I couldn't find what it was for, but Michael went to prison for three years and that's probably why they divorced. Jasmine met Travis around 2006. Travis and Jasmine became engaged, but broke it off in 2006 or 2007. Although they broke off their engagement, they continued to date for a while. Jasmine would continue to have friendships with her ex-boyfriends. On March the 6th, 2009, Jasmine met a real estate investor named Ryan at a Las Vegas casino. Ryan told Jasmine that he had just finished filming a reality show called Megan Wants a Millionaire. Megan Wants a Millionaire was a VH1 bachelorette type reality show that involved millionaires. Apparently, Jasmine showed Ryan her ID and he said they have the same birthday, just different years, and that their meeting was meant to be. Two days later, on March the 18th, 2009, Jasmine and Ryan were married at the Little White Wedding Chapel on the Las Vegas Strip. Almost immediately, it was a chaotic relationship. Jasmine's mother claims that the two fought frequently and that Ryan was jealous of Jasmine's relationships with her ex-boyfriends. Ryan's father said that Jasmine was his son's only friend in California and that she would disappear for days at a time and lie about where she was. Jasmine's mother said her daughter had the marriage annulled in May 2009, but there were no court records of an annulment either in Nevada, where they were married, or Las Vegas, where they last lived. One day, early in the marriage, Jasmine came home 
and found Ryan in bed with another woman. Ryan claimed to be a millionaire, but Jasmine was paying for everything. He would say that there were issues transferring the money from Canadian funds to American funds. There was just always some excuse. And I know it was 2009, but I don't think it would be that difficult even at that time to transfer Canadian funds to American funds. But in June 2009, Ryan was charged with battery domestic violence for hitting Jasmine on the arm and pushing her into a swimming swimming pool. Trav- uh, yeah, Travis, Jasmine's ex-boyfriend, was at the party that Ryan and Jasmine were at. He saw Ryan and Jasmine were arguing. Ryan thought that he saw Jasmine kiss Travis. Ryan and Jasmine were at the edge of the pool arguing. Ryan hit Jasmine's arm, causing her to fall into the pool. Jasmine pressed charges and Ryan spent the night in jail. Ryan's trial date was December 2009. Jasmine wanted a break from the relationship and went to stay with a friend. During this break, Ryan went to Mexico to be on another reality show called I Love Money, Season 3. I Love Money was another VH1 reality show that ran for four seasons. Contestants competed in physical and mental challenges aiming for a $250,000 grand prize. It was 2009, but it still doesn't seem like a lot of money. Maybe the cost of living was different then, but I just, I don't think you can buy a house for $250,000. You might barely be able to buy a new car. Like, it just doesn't seem like a lot with the lavish lifestyle that they led. While filming, Ryan called Jasmine and told her that he won, and once he received the money, he would give her the life that he promised her. After some convincing, Jasmine decided to give him another chance and reconciled with him. Megan Wants a Millionaire debuted on August the 2nd, 2009, and it ran episodes until August 16th, 2009. Both Jasmine and Ryan loved the attention of being recognized. On the evening of August 13, 2009, Ryan and Jasmine checked into a hotel in San Diego, California. They were attending a poker tournament nearby. Surveillance cameras showed Jasmine and Ryan checking in and then leaving the hotel two hours later. They were both really dressed up and they looked like they were going for a night on the town. They attended a poker tournament, which was a charity fundraiser at the Del Mar Hilton Hotel. Ryan played cards at the event. Um, Others at the event noticed Jasmine was seen texting and calling friends during the tournament the whole time and that there was a lot of tension between her and Ryan. At one point, Ryan looked at her phone and seemed to be irritated or jealous. Surveillance video captures Ryan and Jasmine leaving the Hilton around 2.30 a.m. The couple was later seen at the Ivy Hotel, a nightclub in downtown San Diego. Around 4.30 a.m., Ryan returned to their hotel alone. 
At 4.38 a.m., Ryan is seen running down the hallway and into his room. He's seen again a few minutes later dressed in, dress, or, sorry, dressed in sweatpants and a tank top. He was carrying an ice bucket and another item that he placed on top of a wardrobe or a cabinet that was in the hallway. Uh, the item kind of looked like a phone, like a landline phone. Ryan checked out of the hotel around 9 o'clock a.m. the next morning. The next day, Ryan was texting Jasmine's friends asking if he heard from her or if they heard from her. Ryan reported Jasmine missing on August 15th at 8.55 p.m. He told police that he last saw Jasmine August the 14th about 8.30 p.m. at their home. Ryan said that she had gone to, or they had gone to San Diego for the poker event and that after returning, she dropped him off that evening to do errands and she never returned. Jasmine's body was discovered but not identified on August 15th at 7 a.m. in a dumpster in an alley. The Orange County Coroner's Office reported Jasmine had died a couple hours before the body was found. <clears throat> Jasmine's white Mercedes was found abandoned a few days later in a parking lot in West Hollywood, about a mile from the penthouse she shared with Ryan in Los Angeles. When police opened the car to process it, they discovered it was a crime scene. There was blood everywhere, on the door panels, on the carpets, on the door seals. There was also blood in the back seat. Police first look at the people closest to the victim to rule them out. They tried to contact Ryan several times for questioning, but he always had an excuse why he couldn't meet them. Usually it was to deal with immigration issues or that his work visa was about to expire. But, like, your wife just was found murdered and you're worried about that? Um, for those who don't know, a work visa is used for non-U.S. citizens to work temporarily in the United States um, for a specified period of time. Uh, this type of U.S. visa doesn't allow individuals to work in the U.S. indefinitely or permanently. So if you're going to be living and working in the U.S., you need a work visa. So it is important, but I mean, I'm sure when your wife is murdered, there's circumstances that... So the police really needed to talk to him. They went to Ryan's apartment and discovered that it had been completely cleaned out. The police went to search the underground parking area and discovered both Jasmine and Ryan's vehicles were missing. An APB All Points Bulletin was released for both cars. Police received a phone call letting them know that Ryan had a storage unit in Las Vegas and that he owned a boat. They raced to Las Vegas but were too late. The boat had been taken already. Ryan's black SUV and a boat ramp were found in Blaine, Washington which is on the edge of the Canadian border. 
At the time, Ryan was the only person of interest in the investigation, and police couldn't talk with him, giving investigators even more suspicions. He had not been charged, but Canadian authorities had been alerted to watch for him. U.S. Coast Guard and U.S. Customs confirmed that they had boats patrolling Washington waters looking for Ryan as early as August 19th. It's believed that Ryan had gotten into Canada around August 19th or 20th and that he had spoke to his parents. On August 18th, Jasmine's murder was re- first reported to the public. On the afternoon of August 19th, Ryan called his father and told him that Jasmine had been murdered. On August 19th, a man matching Ryan's description had been seen piloting a boat into a marina in Point Roberts, British Columbia, where Ryan's stepmother lived. On August 20th, Ryan was officially charged with Jasmine's murder and an arrest warrant was issued. The same day, Ryan called his father. Um, I believe that it was a really short phone call. Either Ryan was like, hey, I'm here, I'll call you another time. Or the father was like, it was very short. But it identified that Ryan was in Canada. Around 6 p.m. on August 20th, Ryan arrived in a silver PT cruiser with a young blonde woman at the Thunderbird Motel in Hope, British Columbia, Canada. Hope is a couple hours away from Vancouver. I haven't been there in years, but I remember it being a beautiful little town. It's just surrounded by mountains. The car had Alberta license plates, which is the next province over and the province that Ryan is from. They pulled up beside a dumpster rather than by the rooms, which the hotel motel manager thought was little strange. The man stayed in the car while the young woman paid in cash for three nights accommodation. The manager described the woman as young and attractive with dirty blonde hair and was very friendly, making small talk while registering. The guest in the next room could hear muffled talking and said a woman and male stayed for about 20 minutes and then left the room. It turned out that the woman was Ryan's 19-year-old half-sister, Alina. The next day, August 21st, the manager saw Ryan standing outside the motel room. The manager said Ryan looked exhausted and unhealthy. And he hadn't seen the female for a while, so he thought maybe the girlfriend dumped him and left him there. At 11.30 a.m. on October, sorry, on August 23rd, Ryan didn't check out of the room. At first, the manager knocked on the door several times and then called the room several, several times, but there was no answer. Thinking Ryan probably just left without checking out, the hotel manager and his nephew decided to check the room. The manager opened the door and immediately saw Ryan. He was dead, hanging from a clothes rack by a belt. The manager said that the room smelled like death, 
and that Ryan had a look that was demonic on his face. There was not a suicide note, but Ryan's laptop was on the bed with some possessions around it. Police found a document saved on the laptop titled Last Will and Testament, which was dated August 20th, a few days before. He didn't admit to the murder, but in the one-page letter, he said Jasmine was the love of his life, but that he was resentful because he believed she was cheating on him. Half of the letter described how much he loved her, and at the same time, he would talk about how frustrated she made him, and that he felt very jealous of some of the relationships that she had, and that frustrated him. On August 27, 2009, investigators found a storage unit in Washington State, and it was full of Ryan's belongings, including a suitcase of clothes. So that could show possible premeditation. Investigators found that Ryan wasn't actually a millionaire. His father was the one with money. Alberta, Canada is oil country and his father made his money in oil. Ryan didn't have any money. Ryan also had been convicted two years earlier for assaulting a woman in Calgary, Alberta. According to court documents, a judge ordered him to complete domestic violence and sex addiction counseling, and he was sentenced to 15 months probation and 80 hours of community service. This information would be easy to find, especially since it's through the court system. So someone obviously did not do their due diligence. The information was on, on so, sorry, the information on that incident had not been di- disclosed to either VH1 or Megan Wants a Millionaire producers. In a statement, producers said that it would have not allowed Ryan on the show had they known about the 2007 incident. Prior, prior to filming, VH1 had hired a private investigation firm called Collective Intelligence. They would perform background checks on the contestants, but Collective Intelligence doesn't perform background checks outside of the United States. They outsourced a Canadian firm, Straight Line International, for Ryan's information. In 2009, Collective Intelligence sued Straight Line for breach of contract. The suit alleged that Straight Line had falsely told Collective Intelligence that Ryan's record was clean and that it had also failed to check Ryan against the RCMP criminal database. Like I said, if they had done their due diligence, they would have found this information easily. Collective Intelligence won their lawsuit in July 2011. Following the announcement that Ryan was connected with the murder of Jasmine, VH1 put Megan Wants a Millionaire on hiatus. It was uh, it also deleted the show's page from the official VH1 website. It removed the show's archived episodes from the iTunes store, cable video on demand services, 
um, out of respect for Jasmine's family. The day after Ryan's death, VH1 officially announced Megan Wants a Millionaire was cancelled. It it would not run a third the third season of I Love Money, which was reportedly won by Ryan. So I've heard several different he won, he didn't win, um, so it can't be determined, but I did hear that a spokesperson said uh, that um, told investigators that Ryan tried to pick up his check for $5,200 a few days before Jasmine's body was discovered. So if you won, why would you be picking up a $5,200 check? Uh, the police obtained Jasmine's phone records and discovered during the poker tournament she had been texting her ex-boyfriend Robert, who I mentioned earlier. Jasmine told Robert that she was ending the relationship with Ryan. She was done, and she wanted to be with Robert. Robert was a wealthy man, and he had a private plane, and Jasmine was asking if he could get the plane to come and pick her up. The police, discover, uh, the police believe that Ryan discovered the text messages when he and Jasmine were driving back to their hotel. An argument started and he attacked her in the car. The hotel Ryan and Jasmine were staying at had a patio area with outside doors to the room. Detectives believe Ryan brought Jasmine through the patio entrance of the main floor hotel room. Jasmine's blood and hair were found in the patio area. Earlier, I mentioned that Ryan left the room with the ice bucket and what looked like a landline phone. Detectives believe he took the phone out of the room so Jasmine couldn't call anyone for help. It is unknown whether he took her body to the hotel to put her in the suitcase or if he killed her in the room and then put her in the suitcase. But the theory was that the body was placed in the suitcase in, while they were in the hotel room. Detectives also discovered through surveillance video that when they arrived, Ryan had the same suitcase that Jasmine was found in. Ryan is never seen carrying that suitcase again. And this is why they believe Ryan took it out through the patio door with Jasmine in it. Ryan was captured on surveillance video carrying clothing and items like toiletries in his arms, uh, leaving the hotel room before he checked out at 9 a.m. Detectives then placed Ryan in Corona, California, about an hour and a half from San Diego. Where, where they believe he went off-road driving. Large twigs and brush were found in the undercarriage of the Mercedes-Benz, as well as mud, uh, as well as mud stains on the tires. Detectives think Ryan might have dumped Jasmine clo Jasmine's clothing and body parts, like teeth, in that area. There's so much in that area so many trees so much terrain that it's like looking for a needle in a haystack so they most likely would never find them detectives believe ryan abandoned the mercedes before returning to the penthouse 
in Los Angeles. And they acted like, or and then he acted like he was worried, texting friends, looking for his missing wife. There is evidence that Brian spoke to his family members. And, you know, the question is, like, why did they not turn him in? And I understand, like, that's your son, that's your brother. You want to believe the best in them. And he probably told them that he was just being blamed. I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. And his family took his word for it. I've said this in previous episodes, but I believe people who are innocent do not die by suicide. They will shout from the rooftops that they are innocent. They will shout for years, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. In his last will and testament, he didn't admit to the crime, but he blamed Jasmine for making him jealous and that she would make him angry. Four days before her death, Michael, Jasmine's ex-husband, left prison on parole and Jasmine met him at the gates of the Southern California prison. Investigators also believe that Investigator story also found evidence that Jasmine had been intimate with Michael at least a few days before she died. So I hate reading comments um, when I'm doing research because people tend to blame the victim. And in this case, they blame Jasmine because she was a model. She showed her body. And these commenters assume that she was promiscuous and that she deserved what she got. Like, uh, it just frustrates me because she was a victim. She did not deserve to be murdered. She was the innocent one who wanted to get away from an abusive relationship. All of this happened and I was surprised to find out that Jasmine and Ryan were only married for five months. All of this happened in five months. Um, so just one last thing. So Brian didn't win Megan Once a Millionaire. Um, but in interviews, Megan said that early in the show, Brian was emailing her. And they had this sort of secret relationship behind the scenes of the show. According to Megan, she wanted to pick Ryan as the winner, and producers said that they didn't want her to choose him, and that she had to choose somebody else. Ryan was confident that he was going to be the winner, and he invited his father to the show while filming, and it ended up being the episode that Megan doesn't choose him, so he was embarrassed and he was devastated. And then two years late, or two days later, he married Jasmine. Um, I've been follow- following this case from the very beginning. And it's just my personal opinion. And I hate to be mean, but I found Megan to be narcissistic. In several interviews, she 
says that Ryan loved her and he just married Jasmine to make her jealous. And she mentions being scared when she found that Ryan was accused of marrying Jasmine. Oh, he's going to come and get me. Like a woman was murdered and you are concerned about yourself. And she's like, oh, he just, he didn't love her. He just loves me. Even like I've watched, watched interviews for years. And I know that they can edit it out to make her look a certain way. But how would every single interview be like this? So just a little frustrating because somebody's life ended and she just seems like selfish. I'm sorry. <laughs> so even after all these years later, my heart breaks for Jasmine's family and friends because she was so loved. She was fun and bubbly and brought happiness into people's lives. And it just sucks that her killer took the easy way out and that justice can't be served. More recently, Jasmine's story has been told in a TV series called Playboy Murders. Her story is episode one. Thank you for listening.